0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Brainerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Powerline, Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Spreading Mix, SW Bait and Tackle, Growing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle Dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon.
1: And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. We've got lake reports from all across the state. Matt Brewer has been chasing muskies around up north. He's got the latest on that, and Mandy Urick wonders where all these big pike are coming from here in the Brainerd Lakes area. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. First off, our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Ors and Mine in Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, Ors and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Ors and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off here locally. We bring in Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. And, of course, Ray keeping a very close eye on Leech Lake, Winnie, even Lake of the Woods this week, and, and including the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. And, Ray, I guess we'll start on Winnie. You know, we talked with, with some people. I, I was earlier this week. A lot of people were concerned about that drastic uh, drop in temperature we had midweek. That didn't seem to bother too many people, I don't think.
2: It has. It hasn't bothered anything. For one thing, it hasn't changed the water temperature very much. Uh, and the, when we had the front that came through, uh, the temperature dropped. Yes, but it wasn't really windy, stormy. Uh, you know, we had some scattered rain, but it just didn't seem to affect uh, anything really. I mean, everything's just kind of rolling along the way it has been uh, up up until the day before that happened. So that's kind of good news. <clears throat> I just got off the phone with some friends of mine who are fishing up in Lake The Woods, and they're uh, quite a ways out, and they were pulling crankbaits and uh, on bottom bouncers and fishing with Lindy Riggs, and they're picking up fish out there. I think they said, uh, you know, the midweek there that uh, Thursday morning was 39 or 38 degrees. That's just uh, unreal. And then to go back up into the 90s, and this next week looks like it's going to be warm. So it's really uh, a strange year, but I guess we can feel really lucky in that we're not getting forest fires and we're not getting rain like they are on the east and the west coast. We're sitting with some pretty nice weather which has made for some pretty good days to be fishing. If you don't mind being out uh, in a bright sky with a lot of sun, because that's the way it's been. And uh, maybe just starting out on Winnie, Brian, uh, they're still catching walleyes uh, in that 18 to 20 feet. It's just been a really good year on Winnie. And that's not to say that every day they're out there biting, but overall it's been a really good bite. And crawler is the king right now, pulling spinner baits and lindy rigs um and they're still catching a lot there's just a phenomenal year class of nineteen inch uh, walleyes on the lake which you can't keep uh, but still it's nice to see those fish that are there coming back like they are and there's also a good population of that 15 16 17 inch fish um you know it's um sometimes you got to catch a dozen to keep three but it's still just been a really good bite and this week this past week uh, there's been a nice little crappie bite that's been going up on the Three Rivers Inlet, um, and some 14-inchers came in uh, at the High Banks Resort this week, uh, and those are very nice fish, catching them just before it gets dark, uh, right off the weed lines. And uh, they've been using gulp, little white, like twister tails, miniature twisty tails, but they're, they're gulp. And that's kind of been the ticket, and they've been getting some beautiful fish there. Often people don't talk about Winnie as a musky lake, but the state record uh, still comes out of Winnie for muskies, and it's known as a lake that has big muskies, probably not a lake that's known with a quality of large numbers of muskies. You're not going to see the fish on Winnie that you will uh, on Leech Lake, for example, uh, but there are some really big fish out there. And just a reminder before we leave that uh, Winnie area, Uh, They still have the veteran special at High Banks uh, from August 11th until the 25th. And if you come up uh, with a group, and it can be a group of any size, and you've got a veteran with you, you can get 50% off their cabins. There's only two cabins left, but that's kind of a good deal. And then jumping over to Leech Lake, it's still a tough bite during the day for walleyes, I think, to be fair. You know, there might be people that go out and pick up one here and there, but overall it's been a tough bite. But that evening bite is starting to come around a little bit. And uh, I've talked to some friends who are up on the north side of Portage Bay. They've started picking up some walleyes, some walleye, keeper walleyes uh, just uh, late in the evening, 7.30, 8 o'clock, pulling crankbaits uh, along the weed edges or right over the top of the weed shallow. And they're starting to catch some fish there. And they're also starting to catch a few up in sucker bait in the evenings. Um, but like I said, during the daytime bite, it's still pretty tough out there and especially when we've had these days when it's been you know 75, 76 degrees with hardly a cloud in the sky that makes it kind of tough to to be doing that. Uh, then just jumping down to the Brainerd area, um, it's been a phenomenal summer for bass. I know not everybody's a, is a bass fisherman but I do a fair amount of bass fishing with customers and more and more of those trips are for catch and release only which is also pretty cool. And I've been staying off the big lakes, uh, the Gull Lakes and the North Longs, uh, where there have been a lot of tournaments. And tournaments, the pressure from tournaments does make it a lot more challenging to catch the numbers of fish that we used to catch. And uh, so I've been going to the lesser-known lakes, and the fishing has been really, really good. Uh, Catching bass right in the uh, cabbage, 7 to 9 to 11 feet of water, And I've been using a lot of plastic worms because I go out. I don't hit the early morning bite because the customers aren't usually ready to go before 7 o'clock. So we're out there with plastic worms and just working into those weeds. And the fish are in there, and there's some really nice ones. And also in those weeds are huge numbers of of, uh, sunfish and bluegills right now. And it's also the time of the year where you can go and find bigger fish, the bigger sunnies, in deeper water. Off the deep points and off the deep weed ledges, uh, it's pretty it's pretty common this time of the year to start finding big ones in 27, 28 feet of water, because uh, a lot of times when you're in that 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 feet of water, <clears throat> you get a lot of the little guys fighting for your bait, and it's hard to catch a bigger fish. But the bass fishing has been good. There's, it's been spotty for walleyes. There's been some walleyes being caught on the whitefish chain, upper whitefish, and middle. And uh, a couple days we had northwest winds, and there was a, actually a pretty good walleye bite when those northwest winds were coming. Uh, lindy rigs and minnows. And uh, the the northern pike bite is also very good. So I think... Uh, as I said last week, boy, if you enjoy fishing, this is just, it's been a good summer. It's been a really good year to get out there and, and get a line wet.
1: You know, I think one thing, Ray, that I've noticed when the reports you've had and stuff, and talking to other anglers too, gull has become a different animal here in the last couple of weeks, or last couple of years, I should say. Um, it, it's obviously still a very good bass lake. It just seems like the walleyes just aren't cooperating out there. And and do you think a lot of it has to do with the transition of that lake with the invasive species and everything?
2: I really do. Uh, I was talking with some of my fellow guides. In fact, Marv Kep and I were talking about this one time. Um, Before we had the aquatic invasive species in Gall Lake, and specifically before we started seeing a lot of uh, zebra mussels, we would start having a real good walleye bite typically the third week in August. And, I mean, we would still go out in August in 14, 15 feet of water, and we could get limits of fish. That just isn't the case anymore. That's just not the way that it is. And, you know, the DNR is telling us there are plenty of fish in the lake, and I know there's been clear days where we can actually see down on the gull, and we can see them down there, Uh, but they don't seem to want to cooperate. But I think, without a doubt, since uh, aquatic invasive species hit that lake, it has completely changed how we have to fish it, and uh, I haven't solved that puzzle yet of just of how you can go out there on a typical day and catch them. Uh, it's just I honestly I've been staying away from Gall. I've been fishing the lesser known lakes in the area just because they don't have the pressure, and uh, I'll, I'll hit it again this fall when the water starts cooling down. But it definitely has changed the lake. There's no question about it.
1: That'll be something we'll keep an eye on. That's Ray Gildow, Niswa Guides League. You can check Ray out. RayGildow.com, as well as all over social media and the Nisswa Guides League as well. Ray, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always, and uh, we will check in with you, bud, next week.
2: All right. Thanks, Brian.
1: Well, let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. We catch Steve, obviously, out on the lake this time of year. You're, you're a pretty busy guy, Steve, and, and a little bit of a cold front that rolled in this past week probably changed things a little bit.
3: Uh, it certainly did, Brian. That cold front that hit us on a Wednesday put a major cramp into every type of fishing you can imagine, you know. Uh, Earlier this week, it was a little tough. I had a good friend, Jim McGinnis from Pennsylvania, up for a few days, and uh, we actually went to a couple other lakes, you know, got a small muskie on a different lake. But Mille uh, Mille Lacs was showing its other side. You know, catching muskies was just about impossible. Northern pike was slow. Walleye was about the only thing going good, and we had a good time with walleyes. So, yeah, you know, right now there's cold front. You know, it's starting to let up. Things should pick up again in a few days.
1: You know, something you and I talked about a while back, Steve, maybe a couple of years ago, and that was how weather systems, it just seems like they affect Malax more than other lakes. Would you agree with that?
3: Oh, definitely. You know, molasses isn't a deep lake. I think 42 feet is the deepest I've ever found on this lake, so it's not really that deep. Uh, it's one of the few lakes in the nation that never turns over, which is rather cool in itself. But, yeah, pressure systems, high-pressure systems, cold front really affect this lake, and I think it's because it's so shallow. That, that's, you know, the, basically the only reason I can think of Brian. Well, is so big, it develops its own weather system, just like Lake of the Woods and Red Lake are so close together. They develop their own weather system, too, you know. Big bodies of water like that will develop their own weather patterns, I mean, You can't, you know, what other lake can you go to, and you can watch clouds sit all around the lake for literally weeks at a time, nothing goes overhead, so you know there's something going on.
1: So let's start with the walleyes out there, Steve, we'll get into the muskies uh, after that, but uh, as far as walleyes go, what were you guys pitching out there, doing anything different this time of year?
3: You know, we were doing what I love to do best, you know, is sometimes just be lazy and pitch out a uh, bobber with a leech, red gamagatsa hook, number four, number six, no more than six inches off the bottom was the key for our success. Was out uh, a little bit earlier than that, and we were doing uh, bottom bouncers and uh, spinners with net crawlers on. That was very productive, Brian. Also was the uh, slow death hook, the, you know, with a half a crawler was real productive for us also here in the last week and a half. So it's just about anything and everything. Uh, one thing, like I always say on the show, you know, watch your sonar if you don't see fish don't fish the area. That's how important that sonar is.
1: Can you still find walleye shallow on the lax?
3: You know, we, we're still picking them up Musky fishing. It's incredible. When my friend Jim was up, we uh, tied into one about five, six pounds and about eight feet of water looking healthy as can be on a great big musky lure. So they're still in the shallows also.
1: And as far as the pike go, you said uh, basically they're kind of going as far as the muskies go too with this cold front, kind of shut things down a little bit.
3: They have. You know, usually it's no problem to find nice pike on Mille Lacs Lake anywhere from uh, two pounds up to the high teens. Uh, it was tough this last week. I don't know what it is. Water temperature stabilized for us at about 75.6 degrees, which is perfect for this time of year. I'm not seeing so many uh, whitefish floating dead, so uh, something else is happening. I wish I was a biologist. I could figure it out. Bass bite smallmouth is doing okay. It's not gangbusters like it used to be. I'm still using black and brown marabou jigs. Uh, baby leeches has been working real well on the shallow rocks, and I'm talking like 16, 18 feet, Brian, with a small bobber. We tied into a ton of them, um, just going having fun for them. Uh, largemouth bass is doing okay. Tied into the weeds next to the cabbage and the bulrushes. You know, yellow jigs have been working pretty good. You know, the jig and pig combination, as well as a yellow spinner bait, like a small Fidelity musky candy spinner, has been working real well for largemouth bass. So you got the best of both worlds. We just need to get the weather to stabilize so we can enjoy it.
1: So people are heading out to musky fish this weekend, Steve. What would you recommend? Because obviously we're going to start warming up a little bit into the weekend, but we had this cold front that hit midweek. Uh, what would you recommend people do?
3: I would definitely go slow Probably toss out a spinner bait, let it sink down lower, and slow roll it back would be my ideal presentation. A small glide bait like a phantom, a warlock would be also a good presentation, but work everything slow. Now is the time to start checking out the rock piles. You know, you will find a few fish on the rocks, but right now you're going to find more fish in the weeds. Any weed bed that uh, tops off at 14 feet down or even 16 feet down with a good drop-off nearby is your prime producer's. So pay attention to the weeds, pay attention to your lures, don't expect a hearth, um earth shake and hit from a muskie. Like I tell everybody, if you, smil- if you feel a small love tap, set the hook as hard as you can.
1: And one last thing, Steve, uh, one of the things that has been very good here across not only the Brainerd Lakes area, but even talking to people up north, uh, there's been a really good panfish bite, Uh Mille Lacs. Obviously known for some very good crappie fishing, and then the lakes around Mille Lacs have got some really good panfish too. Have you heard good things there?
3: I have. You know, the lakes around Mille Lacs have been doing good. I'm surprised to say that there's been a really good panfish bite for crappies going on on some of the surrounding lakes around here. Sunfish, they're a smaller size, but they're going good. Mille Lacs right now, haven't seen anything picking up for the sunfish or the crappies as of right now. Hopefully things will get going there. We've got an awesome-looking perch hatch on Mille Lacs Lake that uh, happened a few years ago. I'm seeing uh, three to five inches by the thousands, So everything is going to come into play, I bet, in the next few weeks.
1: There you go. That's Steve Sapaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. As always, good stuff, buddy, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right,
3: my friend. Thank you very much.
1: All right, when we come back, Mandy Urich will drop by. She's been keeping a very close eye on the river systems here in the Brainerd area, and she's kind of curious as to why these big pike are all showing up here all of a sudden. We'll talk to her when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and back with us in studio. We have not talked to her in a couple of weeks, and I figured now is time, and that is Mandy Urich. Mandy is a contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors and a good friend of the show. we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk to Mandy about. Obviously, bass fishing, Mandy, we'll get into that. you got a schedule in front of you that's pretty busy. We've got some tournaments coming up we got to talk about. One thing, though, I wanted to talk to you about. First of all, welcome back.
4: Hey, it's great to be back. I kind of missed you guys. I-, I felt like something was really missing this last couple weeks, and I guess it was coming here and seeing you guys. I know,
1: so I appreciate you coming back. Uh, it's, it's been busy. and I mean, we've been busy, you've been busy. Uh, one thing you and I were talking about off-air before we came on, uh, and obviously we'll get to bass fishing with you here in just a bit, but northern pike, um, that is something we haven't really talked about you know, with a lot of the guys here on the show. I mean, Ray just touched on it earlier in the show, how the pike fishing's been pretty good. You've got a completely different perspective on that from bass fishing. You have seen not only pike biting, the quality and size of pike that's really surprised you for this time of year.
4: I'm mind blown, honestly, between the Cross Lake chain and the Gull Lake chain. I've seen more fish over 40 inches taken in the last week in, you know, it's beginning of August. This is unbelievable. And they're where they're being taken is where it blows my mind. These are weed line fish. Normally, when the water temp goes up, big pike go, they go deep. You know, you got to be in that 24. Plus foot range normally you know they're out there they're changing uh, chasing their forage and they're not it is and it's not just a phenomenon that's happening here on gull it's you know when the same thing's happening on cross and it's multiple big big pike great quality pike coming out it's fun i mean because you never know what you're going to catch on that weed line so you could be out there bass fishing or walleye fishing or pike fishing and you know there you go you got a forty plus inch fish.
1: <laughs> when we talked with Ray last segment, we talked about Gull Lake a little bit and with walleye perspective and about how invasive species have, have really changed how people fish the lake. Do you think maybe that has something to do with it and why these pike are still so shallow? Or do you think maybe that has nothing to do with it at all?
4: No, it, I think it does. Absolutely. You know, we talked when invasive species come in, water quality changes, uh, the clarity changes, it really changes everything on how you're going to fish it. So Gull's Predominantly getting clearer and clearer and clearer. Where those fish used to be able to dive to that 20, 25 foot range, it would be deep enough because the clarity was just a little bit low enough where it was cutting out that sunlight, you know, at that depth of water. Now it's so clear that at 20 feet, like they don't have that protection from the sun. So what are they going to do? They're either going to go where they can find the cover, which is back up into the weed line, or they're going to continue to, you know, push out a little bit deeper. And the problem with that, with them pushing out a little bit deeper, you're going to start seeing some stratification in the lakes with oxygen, things like that. So, yeah, everything's in the weed line.
1: Well, it's amazing, too. And you were saying this is like a year like none other in which, I mean, trying to pre-fish for tournaments, which you fish a ton, you fish league. Boy, I tell you, it's got to be tough for you because you're basically just throwing a dart at a dartboard and hoping that you're right.
4: Absolutely. It is. We're before, you know, like I always say I'm I'm a pattern person, but I always kind of have an idea. Okay, I'm going to start here. This will tell me if I need to do B or C based on this spot or this location will tell me where the fish are at. And now it's just like, well, which random weed line are they going to be on? You're driving around with your graph looking for specifics in a weed line, which is already hard to tell. So, you know, is it the thick coontail? Is it the thick cabbage? Is it is it hay grass that they want to be in? So that's now the portion of the puzzle that we're, we're figuring out. And once you do figure it out, then you're like... It's kind of hard in a thick weed line to, right. to decipher what is what. Honestly, if you can't see it, you know sure. if it's a deep weed line. So. Yeah, it kind of gets to, to be a little bit of a crapshoot. I'd imagine,
1: so, and a lot of the you know, leagues and tournaments you fish are multi-species too. Correct. So you're probably picking a lot of these you know fish up on you know various presentations.
4: Yeah, and, and that's the crazy part. We can go. You can go to a flat right now, like let's say an eight to ten foot flat that's got cabbage. It doesn't even need to be uber great cabbage, but good cabbage on it, and you. I've seen walleyes picked up on shatterbaits, I've seen bass picked up on bobbers, wow. and I've seen pike picked up on jigs, and all off the same spot, you know? And I'm just like, my head's just kind of spinning, going, oh, I can't keep up with this, seriously. But it's awesome, because it is showing us that um, for me, the people that aren't super in-depth with their graphs or don't know a lot of spots on the lake, or aren't really good structure fishermen, this is the year for you guys, like... Pick a good weed line. Pick if it's cabbage or coontail or whatever and and sit on it because the fish are there. For us, like on leagues, things like that, it's been hard because those slot fish were kind of our bread and butter. So the beginning of the year, we weren't seeing a lot of big pike or heavy bags brought in because you had to have that one that was over 26, Mm -hmm. you know. So for all of a sudden, that's kind of like thrown out and we're seeing these really – which – they're all catch and release. I just want to clarify that, so, sure. which is awesome. But um, yeah, just to see these big pike coming out of out of shallow waters in August is is just amazing.
1: And the walleyes too. We mentioned too. You when I, you and I were talking before, we went on some of these walleyes. I, I don't think they've ever left shallow water since opener.
4: I honestly believe I don't think they do. I I, I agree with you 110 percent because why would they? Why would they have to leave when the forage base is so good? where they're at right now. And same thing, you know, unless they're going to slide out into that, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet of water, which that's totally dependent on what that main forage is and what depth and where those bait balls are roaming at, there's a good supply of stuff right there in that weed line and they've got the protection. Yeah, I've seen more fish come out of six feet of water this year than any other year for, for big walleye.
1: So in the last six and a half minutes that you and I would talk, if you would summarize maybe shallow vegetation would be the best way to go.
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: There you go. Uh, rivers, we haven't talked about the river much this year. You and I both are fans of fishing the river. You got me started on it <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago. Now I'm just kind of a hooked on a river fisherman. But things got a little muddy there for a little while. We got a lot of rain, but um, things have cleared up a little bit?
4: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, when we were just getting hammered with all that rain. Obviously, the influx of, of flow through there stirs it up. But they get turbid. They get muddy. The flow high. The currents ripping. With that being said, so now it's fallen, right? The waters have come back down, uh the clarity's starting to improve a little bit, which obviously with the Mississippi it never really gets great, but you should at least have a couple feet of water clarity, um, I call good. For, for that because it is a turbid body of water naturally. Crowing, uh, depending on where you're at, you can have some really good water clarity, you know, four or five feet with it. So,
1: so what happens, I mean, myself being a you know not an experienced angler, that's putting it lightly, um, but high level water to low level and when things fluctuate like that, how does that affect fishing and how do anglers want to combat that?
4: Oh, it can make it tough. You know, when that water really starts raging, um, those Fish, even though they're river fish, they don't want to sit and buck the current constantly. That takes a lot of energy. And remember, big bass are fat because they're lazy. They, they, (laughs) I mean, they are. They want to retain as much energy as possible. So that water rises and you're on a river channel and say you're normally pitching the edge of that cane and they're just kind of backed into it, you know, waiting for something to float by and go out and snag it. I, I almost don't even fish any of that kind of stuff anymore when when the water's high I want good current break so what I say is a good current break if you got a bay or a little shell Inlet that's off the side of there that they can go into that mouth and get off of that current but still have you know good good forage, a good cover things like that that's a go-to wood wood is a go-to it absolutely I don't care if you're on the crowing or the Mississippi or wherever you're at uh, Wood is always a great structure and a good current break for them if you are going to fish the rice uh, and that water levels come up, you got to go top water. So those fish are going to be still be sitting a little bit higher in that water column. So you know what I'm going to say, right? Oh, I do. <laughs> frog it, frog it, <laughs> frog it. Yeah, don't be afraid to throw that that frog, you know, over the top of that rice. But the current breaks are, are really going to be the key on either river that you're at. Um, when the water falls and goes back down to a normal level and that current's, you know, kind of slowing down a little bit with that, then I'm all about the mats. Like, if you can find a mat, a good, thick, ugly mat, of veg of whatever... Uh, punch that mat, flip that map, uh, fish around the edge of that. those mats. Those are great. Reeds are break. There again, you can still fish those current breaks, and they're going to be good too. But when that water level drops back to a normal level, you're going to see a lot of fish back out on that undercut line again where you can just kind of get on it and, and pitch your way down. So.
1: so there you go. So people that like to fish the river, uh, some things to keep in mind there. A couple of events you have coming up, as we mentioned in the beginning, Mandy, you're going to be pretty busy here, not only through the rest of the summer, right into the fall, but we'll we'll get into some immediate events starting this weekend. I think this is one of the coolest tournaments, and I'm kind of a comic book geek, so I, I, I like this tournament anyway. The Superhero Tournament, uh, and it benefits Camp Confidence.
4: Yeah, it does. And this was a brainchild, actually, of Jamie Dietman. Of course. Yep, of course, Jamie. So if anybody wants to it's a kid's event, uh, literally like little kid rod and reels, like Snoopy Rods, only, obviously, dress up in your favorite costume. We call it the Superheroes event. There's some some pretty comical stuff. Awesome prizes. Jamie and his wife have worked really hard on this. And all the money, yes, goes back to Camp Confidence.
1: And then next weekend, you have the Rod Rod Benders, I should say, annual uh, tournament. That's next Next weekend, also a lot of fun.
4: Yep, and that's also on the Mississippi. If you guys want to get in, that's a multi-species event. It's a family-oriented event. They're great, great pre- or gifts. Uh, good turnout. We usually have anywhere from you know thirty to to fifty boats. And there again, all the money goes back to fishing has no bounds. So.
1: And if people want more information, maybe just hit you up on Facebook or hit Jamie up on Facebook. You guys will be able to help out.
4: Yep, absolutely.
1: So there you go. One last thing I did want to talk to you about, Mandy, before we let you go. Um, From a biological standpoint, I had a listener ask me, and they wanted me to ask you, and that was they're not seeing a lot of fawns as we're heading now into August. Concern?
4: I don't know if it's a concern so much as... the question why you know and my feeling of why is we had that long late winter you know late spring so obviously when things are stressed the way they are and we have that bad weather and it's cold and it's a super late spring um, a lot of time does will actually reabsorb those fawns so they they don't stillborn them they simply just reabsorb them back in and um yeah, it's not good though. I've just made the comment of about my house. I got so many does running around, and it's. I'm like, yes, a a doe could be dry, but I'm not. Same thing. I'm seeing ten, fifteen does without any of those fawns. So, yeah, not a good situation. Yeah,
1: the, the conversation came up. We were just seeing one one person said, "I'm just seeing a lot of small everything out there and lack of does." Um, but I mean, I saw a turkey poult here earlier this week that still was a little fuzzy. Which makes you wonder? Wow, that's got to be a super young. I did bring up rabbits, but obviously they <laughs> they they just it's all year long thing with them. But um, yeah, it's just gonna be an interesting thing to watch. Obviously, we have some new regs going up into this year with the deer hunting season. But I just thought it was interesting because it it really made me think too. I have not seen a lot of fawns this year, so that'll be something we'll have to definitely monitor.
4: Yep, absolutely. Uh, the deer eggs actually just came out. So.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm hoping next week we will have uh, somebody from the DNR on to talk about that. That's next week's show. So uh, we're hoping for that. Uh, Mandy Urich. Mandy, people want more information on you. They can find it how?
4: Oh, they can find me on Facebook or Instagram, or they can tune into one of our podcast. Many, many podcast (laughs) networks. We're
1: everywhere on the podcast channels.
4: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So check it out. Mandy, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Uh, Good luck out on the water. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll head up north to Bemidji for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Services standing by. We'll talk fishing with Matt, especially on the musky front, when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3.
0: You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon.
1: And up to Bemidji we go for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service, joins us. A lot to talk about with Matt this week. Uh, and and I guess start off, we'll start off, Matt, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we talked about the dog days of summer last week. And and you have always been one. You don't really play in too much to weather patterns and stuff. You think it's, you know, it's it's up to the fish and up to the angler. One thing, though, I thought was really, really interesting, and we talked with Jason Freed last week, and he's a good friend of yours and mine. Uh, you know him very well. And he talked a lot about reaction bites, and he talked a lot about crankbait fishing this time of year. And I thought, and if you get a chance, check Matt out on social media because he has so many uh, awesome posts and everything. You can learn a lot. But you posted something I thought was very interesting earlier this week. We went from 85 degrees one day to 61 the next day, and you went, "This should be interesting." And then afterwards, you posted a, a box full of fish. So I mean, there's something there, Matt. It
5: was 89 and then 61, and I'm like, um, <laughs> "This is almost like a 30 degree difference." I I would imagine the fish are gonna react a little differently. And I picked the clients up at the resort and. I even told them, I'm like, this huge swing. I mean, it was cold. I had like a sweatshirt and my jacket on and I'm like, I, I you know, I don't know what the fish are going to do. This is such a huge swing. The barometer didn't change all that much, but you get a temp swing that bad. Um, you know, the water temps went down, the surface temps went down like four degrees and I just didn't know what they were going to do. And, uh, and they did what they were supposed to do. They ate, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I told them when I picked them up, you know, I, I don't know what the fish are going to do, and we're not even buying bait. We're we're strictly going to go after reaction bites, and if we uh, if we pull a bait past their their face enough times, somebody's going to eat out of instinct, and and uh, and that's that's what I think was happening. We were we were clipping along a little faster than I normally pull cranks, just because I knew I was keying on reaction bites, and and uh, and we ended up filling the box up, and and I actually. Uh, got to catch a couple fish and keep a couple fish for myself. It was that good, and uh, and had an interesting side story to it too. So it was it was a really fun night.
1: Yeah, tell me about that because and once again, I want to rewind a little bit here because we I'm sure we have a lot of new listeners into the show. Matt's been with us for better part of 15 years, and one of the ongoing jokes with us was Matt for years would catch muskies, but he never caught one strictly targeting muskies. And then a couple of years ago, I think it was, Matt, that you finally broke that streak. Um, But then this past year, kind of everything has, you know, kind of gone back to the same. And this past week especially, you had a young angler out there that actually uh, caught a walleye and then the muskie tried to steal it.
5: Yeah, so this 12-year-old had never caught a walleye in his life, and that was his goal. He's like, oh, I want to catch a walleye. That's my main priority. And I'm like, oh, we can, you know, we can... We can get you a walleye. That won't be a problem. And it was like the the first spot we hit on one of the first passes, you know, the rod bends over and I'm like, oh, that's a walleye. Go ahead and reel that in. And he's all excited. I'm going to get my first walleye. I'm going to get my first walleye. And, you know, he's looking at the line counter and he's like 20 feet, 18 feet. And all of a sudden I'm standing in the back of the boat and he's, you know, in front of me. So the rod has bent kind of past me and I'm just waiting for the fish to surface and I'm going to net it. And all of a sudden the rod like hits me in the leg and I look at the rod and it's like keeled over past my leg and he's like, Dad, help, dad, help <laughs> And I look back and the rod's almost out of his hands and I'm like, Oh, a muskie ate it and he's like, How do you know? And I'm like, Because that walleye just didn't turn into a thirty five pound walleye had it's a muskie. And uh he keeps reeling and he's working it and it peels drag and then it comes back and, peels drag and he's like 10 feet, eight feet. And I look down and there's like a 45, 47 inch muskie just, just moseying along has no idea that there's any line attached to it. And it's got just the head of a mu- or a walleye sticking out of the side of its mouth. And I'm like, Oh, we can, we can totally get this one. It's not going to break your line or anything. And he gets it up and I can't get it in the walleye net. And, uh, And then it makes another run and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to get it head first. And I go head first and all of a sudden everything just like in a flash went from, I had a muskie that I was netting to, I had a walleye in the net and there was no weight anymore. And I watched that muskie just swim off and I look up at the net and there's the walleye and it's guts are hanging out and it's got huge tooth marks in it. And I'm like, Oh man, we lost the muskie. And the kid's like, that's okay that's
3: my first walleye ever he was
5: just jacked up and i'm like
3: yeah it is your first walleye
5: ever and it's like you know a pound and a half pound and a quarter it's a perfect eater but you just lost like a 35 pound fish but (laughs) but pretty cool and uh the streak continues of of uh muskies getting caught uh or almost getting caught in my boat while not musky fishing so but i mean now you know now i've on my days off i if I'm gonna go fishing, I go musky fishing, and you know we've we've kind of gotten that streak, so we can just set that joke back in the vault.
1: <laughs> right. because,
5: okay, because it's gone now. Right. We we don't need to
1: talk about it anymore. Yeah, you so. exercise <laughs> that demon, no doubt about that. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> you know, and for a kid, for a way, to, for him to catch the first walleye ever that way, that's gonna stick in his mind forever.
5: Oh yeah, that, that'll be a fish story. For the rest of his life, and then you know he went on to catch his limit, so he didn't just catch his first walleye, caught a limit, and and at the end of the night, he's like, "This is the most fish I've ever caught," and I'm like, "In one trip?" And he's like, "No, in all the trips ever combined, this is the most ever." So, <laughs> now I, I love I love trips like that. It keeps it fun.
1: So. I bet. Now does something has something like that happened before, Matt? Because I've talked to other anglers that have been bass fishing that have had that happen before. Um, I've actually been ice fishing before, you know, when I'm pan fishing and I've seen northerns come up and just snag something right at the bottom of the hole and then take off. Has that happened to you before?
5: When I, when I did the article after I caught that muskie and, uh, a few years ago and, you know, it was like the fish of 10,000 casts. Well, mine took over 17,000 casts, but I talked about in the article and we've caught something like 37 muskies, um and they've been on walleyes or perch or crappies. Um, so anyone who thinks that muskies won't eat walleyes or muskies won't eat crappies or, you know, muskies will eat anything. That's what I've decided, except for a muskie bait when I'm casting it. But, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of clients catch muskies on, you know, they'll be reeling a walleye in. And usually it's like a 13, 12, 13-incher, 13 kind of that, you know, that low end eater slash eh, a little too small to throw back. Um, and they will be like skimming across the top and all of a sudden you'll just see this shoop, and you're like, Oh, muskie just ate it. And you'll look back at the client and they're like, Whoa, it, it, it happens a lot more often than, than a person would think. You know, if you're out a lot, it's, it's eventually going to happen. So,
1: overall musky fishing up by you matt we sometimes forget to talk to you because you have so many great musky lakes up that way you know lake bemidji you get into leech you get into cast you get into you know some of the other lakes up that way how has the fishing been
5: it's great um the the full-time musky guides are they're putting fish in the boat like almost every day or every other day um and i i actually have snuck out a couple times recently and and fishing's been really good moving moving fish and and they seem really active and good numbers. I mean, I guess we will keep the joke alive. I I, st- I still haven't caught one yet this year, but, um, but I mean, everyone, everyone's doing, doing well. And I did that, that one muskie trip and we caught a muskie that day. So it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty good. And then I'm actually guiding muskies all weekend this weekend. So, so I'll probably get to net a bunch of them and look at them and go, dang it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, it's been good. The Cass Lake area has been great. Bemidji has been fantastic. Some of the smaller lakes, uh, Plantagenet, Big Lake, uh, they all seem to be producing. And Everyone, you know, every day is different. Some, some days people go out and they're like, oh, I only saw one fish today. But then they go out the next and they might catch two. So it's, uh, it's really good. And then leech, I've heard, is fantastic. So it's kind of that time of year where it's, it's muskies or, or, uh, or busts.
1: Where do you believe, Matt, I mean, with I mean, we mentioned before early on in the segment here with the water temps and even the actual temps, when I mean, we go from 89 to 61 for highs in, in a 24-hour period, does that affect muskies as much as it does walleye, um, or are muskies just basically when they're hungry, they're hungry?
5: I, I think you've got like a 20-minute window twice a day where you can catch a muskie, and I don't think it matters what the water temps are, I mean... I I think they're going to feed a couple times a day and they have that short feeding window and, and you just, it's all about, it's, it's kind of like grouse hunting. Like you have to be at the right place at the right time. And I don't know that you have to be casting the right bait. I just think you have to be in their face during that short window when they are hungry. And if you put something Uh, relative in size to what they're feeding in front of them and it's at the right moment you're going to catch them.
1: There you go great stuff as always Matt Brewer North Country Guide Service in Bemidji you can check him out at northcountryguides.com and as I said before follow Matt on social media all of the platforms out there Facebook, Instagram, Twitter all of that Matt's all over it and like I said you will learn some really good stuff and, and actually be very entertained as well. Matt, I appreciate it. Um we're getting geared up. I mean, like we said last week, late season fishing here is coming up and then before you know it, we're gonna be into bear hunting. We've got grouse Ooh. hunting and then and then goose hunting. You and I will be hanging out at Goose Fest this year, so it it's all happening.
5: Yeah, time is flying and uh and I'm ready to be done with the uh, open water guiding season, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for for some uh, some trigger pulling. I'm ready for hunting season to start and and uh, I'm I'm kind of sick of netting walleyes, so I'm ready I'm ready to go to go hunting.
1: Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. Matt, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Okay. Sounds great. More Brainerd outdoors after this on B ninety three point three. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment. Chef Joel with Black Bear Lodge and Saloon is back with us this week. And another great venison recipe, Joel. And this one,
6: a venison burger with bacon jam. That's right, bacon jam. It's awesome. It's uh, pretty. It's really simple. I just learned to make it, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to share it with you. So we're going to take uh, you know a pound, two pounds of venison, however big you like to make your, your burgers. We're going to make four burgers. So we'll patty those up. And we'll set those aside. We're going to take uh, some cooked bacon and some yellow onions. And we're going to saute those up together, kind of release some of that, that grease inside of the bacon and get that into the onions. Cook those onions down nice and caramelized. We're going to add in a little bit of uh, balsamic vinegar and brown sugar. I'm just going to cook that all together. Let that vinegar kind of reduce in and that, that sugar will, will crystallize and, and help that onions all caramelize together. We can go one step further, toss all that into the, into the uh, food processor. Chop it up, give it a nice smooth consistency. So now we got the bacon jam made up. We'll start grilling our burgers. You know, you can either do them on the grill or in a nice cast iron pan. Whichever way you go, you know, nice medium rare, medium on the burgers. We'll top it with a little bit of the bacon jam, a little bit of Swiss cheese. Let that get all melty and delicious. Throw them on some hamburger buns.
1: Sounds fantastic. Now you mentioned you just learned how to make this. Where does something like this come from? Is this something from the south, the east, west, Midwest? I have Something, no idea. Somebody it was, came up with it in their backyard. It was one of the
6: cooks <laughs> that I had just brought back, and he
1: taught me how to make it. It was nice. pretty exciting. Well, it sounds fantastic. I would imagine if people didn't have any venison burger around, just use regular, burger, regular burgers. Regular burgers is just fine. There you go. Give it a try. Venison burger with bacon jam. You can head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab, that one, and a ton of others there for you to try. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter, 371 North. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, or if you just stumbled upon us, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just uh, after 7, Saturday morning, Sunday evenings at 7, Monday mornings at 5. You can also stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you'll find the live stream. Just click on the Listen Live tab. If you missed some of the show or want to relive some of it, many ways you can listen to it on demand. Uh, we have the uh, on-demand capabilities right at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com right at the bottom of the homepage. And we are podcastable throughout all of the podcast networks, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors. Just uh, give us a nice rate and review. We'd appreciate that. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
0: Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall Newman Construction, Thielen Meats in Little Falls, SCR Northern The guys who answer the phone Northern Sales and Manufacturing Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd Oars and Mine and Crosby Pine River State Bank, Bimerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery The official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S and W. Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors, right here on B93.3.